What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. because something's wrong again with the Blog Talk radio site. The, the music was stuttering. So I hope I'm not stuttering, okay? Here's what I want to talk about. The other day on my Facebook group, RecruitingTricks.com, there was a, a big discussion about asking candidates for their current salary and then asking them to prove it. You want to get a pay stub or something, a bank statement, to show that what they're saying is true. And everybody went crazy. One person, a nice woman, I know her, she said, I find this approach disgusting. Why leave a bitter impression of distrust? Distrust. This is terrible, other people moaned. We can't treat candidates like children. But you know what? Let me ask you something, smarty pants. Let's say you're a third-party agency recruiter, and you're working on a search on a contingent basis. That means if you don't place anybody, you don't get paid, right? Are you going to go then and tell everybody you speak to the name of the company, the name of your client? And if not, why not? I mean, if people are trustworthy, why don't you just tell them everything, right? They're not going to go behind your back to the company themselves, are they? Well, yes, they will. I'm here to tell you that. I've worked on searches that were not contingent. They were retained searches. We were the only ones working with the company. And you know what happens then? If someone sends them a resume, they just shove it our way because they have to pay us anyway. So we might as well work it for them. And, you know, I remember one day I I called up this woman. I knew as soon as I started talking to her that she was no good. She was no good for the job. But you know what? I'm such a nice guy. I listened to her anyway for a half an hour telling me about how she's perfect for the position. And you know what? I told her what the company was. Uh, Why not? I mean, it's They were going to pay us. It didn't mean anything to me. But you know what? At the end, I had to tell her I didn't think she was right. I said I'd submit her resume, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't going to go anywhere. A couple of days later, we get a letter from our client with her resume attached. She sent it in, and not only that, she sent a cover letter saying what an idiot I was. Oh, that guy's awful. He's stupid. You want to trust somebody like that? No! Okay. Anyway, there's a lot of noise here. I can't focus on what I'm saying. But there was another girl. I'll just tell you this story. I remember calling her. She was quite young and charming, actually. And uh, I told her at the end of the interview, I said, hey, you know, uh, you're just too junior for this position. And so that was it. And then a few days later from the client, he sends us her resume. 
So I called her back. And she said, well, you can't blame me for trying. I hope we can still be friends. No, no, you can't. I said, honey, if you're that kind of friend, I want to put you on Jerry. Jerry, what show is this? Well, you know, the recruiting, the recruiting animal Sponsors, great old PC recruiter, Martin Snyder himself, the PC recruiter man, and uh, our good new friend, Hire Tool, the new hot sourcing tool. Is there a canary at your end, Jerry? Because I hear tweeting, okay? There's that stupid website that I'm struggling with. No Donald Trump here. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what? I opened all the lines. Some one of the stupid callers. Must be making. I'm gonna have to try muting all of them. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, there he goes. He muted himself. He's got the canaries or parrots in the background. Okay. Is the guest here? Stephen Nahez. Stephen Nahez, the guest. Are you here? Jerry, I'm here. Can you hear me? I am now, here. Can you hear me? Hey, Wake up! Hey, my iPhone 7 nah, shut, do it, shut do it. off, man. I had to, like, click five clicks to open Name dropper. Oh, yeah. Now he sounds yeah. awful. Give us your elevator speech, please. Elevator speech, please. Oh, I We're still hear that noise. We're Allen Park. That's not me. Okay, go ahead. We are located in Allen Park, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Uh, my office is made up of nine people, four recruiters, one support recruiter. We recruit specifically in the uh, automotive recruiting base. How about starting off with your name? Hi, everybody. My name is Stephen Nahez. I'm a recruiter. I run a recruiting company in Detroit. Okay? Nobody knows where Allen Park, Michigan is. Why do I have to teach you guys every show? how to introduce yourselves. And you know what? I don't care how many secretaries you have. You got four recruiters. That's enough. Everyone is going to know Allen Park, Michigan, when the Lions go to the championship this year. It's going to happen. Okay. Their great. training camp is right down the road from us. It's so important. Yeah. Okay. But I really, really appreciate coming on today. This is uh, very, very nice. I, I appreciate you guys having me. It's not you guys. It's me, okay? Well, I, it I certainly is you guys. Of course it is, you guys. The animal community. Dude, this right. is bigger than just one man. The okay. branding sucks. Yeah, it does. What What time do you get up in the morning? Easy question, okay? Warm up. 6.50. Every day? Yeah, 6.50. It's okay. My, uh, my phone wakes yeah. me up. Do you send gifts to clients for the holiday season or Christmas or whatever you call it? We do. We actually Why? send a, uh, a gift basket. Why? Why do we send them? Yeah. Why? Is it a bribe? Is it a bribe? Yes, it is. Okay. It's a bribe. It's a thank you. 
We send. Uh, I, I instruct. I, everybody's instructed in the office to uh, identify what we call influencers, people that would influence our business in the future with them. Yeah. And uh, we also send. We also do include folks from the uh, that we made placements in the past that we don't make placements with, and we also do include. Uh, HR HR points of contact who don't necessarily uh, have a you know a lot of uh, decision making authority. Okay, so you've got about fifty clients. Am I right about that? You're right. Yep. Okay, and so you're sending these gifts out to more than one person in the company. You're, if they got a team of three HR people, you're not sending it to one and making the other two jealous and hate you, right? Uh, no, that's not right. It's a point of contact, and then typically the uh, whoever has hiring authority. So that's more than so, one person in the company. That's more than one person. Yeah, that's right. So are you yeah, sending right. out like a, 100 or 150 of these gifts? Uh, no. No, no, we're not. No, I mean, when it, when it, we don't make placements on a continual basis, basis with every single client, but we do retain them as uh, as clients. Some of our clients are are small enough that they don't do. How many gifts? How many gifts? I just want to finish it up. Oh, how probably probably forty or fifty. Okay, so and that's and how much do they cost each? Twenty bucks. Yeah, thirty bucks. We we okay. stick with uh, Godiva Godiva chocolate, Godiva baskets, Godiva Godiva chocolates. Godiva it tastes yeah, okay. it's it's. Probably the leader in the field, whatever. Enough, 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 enough. I got the information I wanted. All right, I was just answering the questions. Now, does does grooming does grooming make a difference? I posted on my Facebook group this week a picture of Steve Bannon. Everybody, I think, knows who he is. He's like the number one or number two advisor to Donald Trump. And this guy's always got about four or five days unshaven gray beard. Uh, and you know, he's always wearing like uh, summer clothes, and you know, he doesn't wear a shirt and tie. Um, would you send somebody like that out? Because I'll tell you what happened. Everybody thought it was just absurd that I even asked that question. They said it doesn't matter what you look like anymore. Is that true? I want to hit the small print. You, know, you got to know your industry. You've got to know your uh, your target audience, if you will. You've got to know who you're dealing with. It's not universal among uh, all recruiters recruiting everything. So in our industry, um, no, you're there are bad. certain posi- Jerry, Jerry, he's on yeah. a lousy phone. He's nope. going in and out. Nope. nope, he sounds good. What? He sounds oh, okay. I, Not I, as I, good as me, good. but nobody maybe, does. Maybe it's Blog Talk Radio. Sorry, just keep going. So Sorry. it depends on the industry. What about you specifically? Do you make your clients or your candidates look half decent before they go out? Yeah, we have uh, interview prep. Uh, that's part of our interview prep is to talk to the candidate about, you know, what they're going to wear to the interview, uh, what's appropriate to wear. It's not universal. Not every candidate is going to have to wear, uh, you know, a suit to, to an interview. Some candidates, you know, are coming directly from work where it's, business casual, that's fine in many circumstances. If a candidate is uh, coming straight from work and let's just say it would be unusual for them to wear a suit to work, we would uh, get a approval on the front end from HR and, and let them know that the candidate is probably going to show up in business casual and 
in every case the uh the people okay, you know uh, that are involved in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're not a bad talker. Don't be too wordy. What about the four days unshaven look? You've seen his picture. You know who I'm talking about. Hey, animal. You're really hung you up on that, man. Bannon, I, I, man. If the if the yeah, yeah he, if the if he doesn't dress the, like uh, that, that's just a picture they push around, dude. He dresses suit what, and tie in Trump Tower. What? Right. I, yeah. It, he wears well, I mean, if you're using him as an example, I mean, it, what, you know, what the guy looks like Santa Claus. Who cares? You know, if it it, it depends on your, you, you know, your who's going to be interviewing. It depends on, the, you know, where they're going. And who are we talking about with the four day scruff going on? Just see, Dan and the guy. Who? Yeah, this is. This is Strongly inappropriate for us. Did uh, Jeremy I Roberts want to say something? International program. Yeah. Hold on a second. Wait a second. Is Jeremy Roberts trying to say something? I hear someone in the background who's not coming through. Is somebody else? There's Jim Durbin. Got your. You, Jim yep. Durbin says the guy wears a suit. Okay. Uh, anybody else? This is actually on really that? important. I, yeah, I got, does I got this have anything for to do you with just about my... this grooming? In the next six months, you'll see a huge move. Back to a more professional attire in the United States workforce, and it'll be because of Trump. The same way that Reagan brought back preppies, you'll begin to see it. The president truly does lead a style revolution, and it'll freak you out. You're like, "What's going on?" And that's exactly what happens. People okay. take in June. In June, in June, we're gonna. I'm gonna oh, take you to task spring. on that. Okay, oh, I'm gonna take you to task on Is that. Is that why we saw frumpy pants for the past four years? Hmm. Mm, okay, let me move on. Uh, we're we're whoever, bordering on political here, Animal, and this is a non-political show, just a point yeah, of order. Well, no, that matters because we're, we're forecasting trends, and as he points out, he tries to okay. fit into the workplace. Yep. Well, the workplace okay. is I'll talk to you about trends. That's why we're bordering on. It wasn't an outright what? political one statement. One at a time. One at a time. I, nobody can hear anybody. First of all, the guest. Do you have something to say right now, Steve Nay has? Yeah, absolutely. About trends. Yeah, I'm looking at the future. I'm looking at 2017. We recruit engineers in the automotive industry, but a lot of those engineers are, you know, interested in looking at other industries. And I think that based on, you know, where things are going in the U.S., uh, we're going to have to start looking at some other uh, close cousin industries, such as defense and military, possibly, Um there's a lot of our companies that are involved in both the automotive industry and defense. And to, uh, to the candidate base, it could be very exciting for them to make a career switch from one industry to another. Okay, thank you. Okay, I've got a question, question on that you. engineering thing. I saw something that said we have a total lack of skilled engineers. They're all old and graying. And with the robots coming, it's about complementary. It's advanced machining. Is that just machi- – is that just – some PR flack, or you think there really is a lack of skilled engineers? I mean, you and Jerry are going to see it first. Is there a lack of good people? I'd defer to the chairman if I could have at least 60 seconds for the answer on this. Okay. Right. He's not going to say, okay, thank you. The problem is that uh, the, the common engineering uh, degrees that you'd get for, specifically the automotive industry, would be electrical engineering and mechanical engineering, arguably. Those are the two most popular degrees. Those curriculums cover the most universal engineering aspects of of things that uh, people need to learn. And what happened was about 10, 15 years ago, the schools, uh, the universities, especially, you know, around Detroit, uh, I'm sorry, around Michigan, 
there's about six or seven engineering schools. They started seeing a trend of people flunking, flunking out of the engineering programs, and it was disturbing the, uh, the students. So what they did is they developed uh, hybrid engineering programs, which were, you know, just to kind of put it simply, uh, they were boiling out some of the tougher classes and replacing them with easier elective classes. And they created... less learning. Like Episcopalian engineering. Exactly, exactly. So if I need to get shoulder surgery, let's say, do you really want to go to a, a, a shoulder surgeon that got a full-blown medical degree, or do you want to go to one that got a, a, a medical assistant degree or something? Okay? So the problem is that the, uh, the universities, especially the, 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 uh, the students, the Has students it been 60 are so seconds used to yet, animal. Uh, you know what? Right, I'm, I'm with done. Jerry I'm on done. this. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, dude. I, this isn't you know fascinating to you? I, I, I don't know. It what, could whatever. be. We can, let's talk about hair stubble again, okay? I mean, whatever. Yeah. Okay, question. Here's a question. Do you uh, know in advance, I listened to uh, Katrina Kibben's show yesterday, and uh, Carmen Hudson was on. She said, when you meet with a hiring manager for the, she said, don't call it an intake session, call it a kickoff session. Uh, You should be able to tell that person how many candidates you're going to bring in. Do you do that? We do. We we make a prediction. Uh, It's based on... uh, it's based on basically a subjective and objective evaluation of the role that they're, they've got. And then looking at and guessing really the population of candidates that you're going to be choosing from. Um, the, way I, the way I teach the, the recruiters in the office is that you measure the results either in single digits, by dozens, by hundreds or thousands, okay? Once you narrow that down, then you can kind of get an idea of how many you're, you're predicting to the hiring manager that you can find and identify. Okay, so give me an example, a real example of a search you've had, and you say, look, I'm going to give you three candidates on this uh, in two weeks. Do you do that and, t- and explain it to me? Yeah, actually, uh, that's right. Based on, based on the information, the key information we need to know for our industry, okay, is we need to know, uh, we need to know what the title of the position is, the most common title, okay? Uh, then we need to know what the, uh, the compensation target range is or the target, uh, co- target based compensation. Then we need to know uh, basically where the individual or wh- where the company is located at. Once we get those three pieces of information, then we, as recruiters, we're making judgment calls on the candidates. So we can determine... Uh, approximately how many candidates will be able to you know submit what? to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You hear what I said? Okay. An example, a real live example. I don't want the generalities. Example, 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 okay? The auto industry, uh, we work with auto parts suppliers. So hey, they, hey. they're oh, the oh, ones that create the individual parts. That's, Give me, I have okay. a client company, okay. ABC. A program manager in the, in the automotive industry, a program manager, that manages a program from what we call cradle to grave, beginning to end, uh, those individuals typically make about $100,000 to $120,000. They're, they're highly sought. The problem is that you've got to find program managers who not only have the title, but have actually uh, successfully been through several, several of those cycles. The more, the more cycles they've been through, the, the better your results. So we know that we can typically get a client within 24 to 48 hours 
three to five candidates. Experience. Like, I also heard that the government... Experience, location, experience, location, and title. That's, those are the primary things that we need for our industry to kick okay. off a search. I heard that the government in the United States can actually tell you they've got a database online that tells you how many people with a certain kind of skill is in a certain geographic area. Do you use that service? No. Never heard of it. Have you heard of it? You've never heard of it? No. No, we don't need it. We don't need it based on our experience, based on our database, based on our, our, our knowledge base. The government, we know more than the government. You do, eh? Okay. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an ad right now. Hey everybody, recruiting animal here. You know, it's year end time. We're coming up to twenty seventeen and people are starting to consider the improvements they can make in their business in the new year, right? That makes sense. So I wanna tell you that if you're considering new recruiting software, you should consider PC Recruiter. PC Recruiter, Martin Snyder who's the president of the company that makes that, he said, Animal, he told me this, he said, Animal, there's a lot of good recruiting software out there, but if there's one thing that distinguishes us, PC Recruiter, it's this. Our software is good for every kind of recruiting. Other recruiting software, it's focused on one kind of recruiting. It might be direct hire or executive search or staffing, but P. Recruiter, it embraces every kind of recruiting around the world. And you know what? I see myself testimonials online in recruiting discussions. People agree with Martin Snyder. They like that product. So I want you to check it out at PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Tell them Animal sent you. Thank you. Okay, I've got a, got a question for you on that. Just, just, I'm interested. Um, will there ever be any guest on your show that's from any other ATS applicant system or any yeah, of that? That's a good question, uh, Jerry. That's probably. Are we allowed ever, as contributors, couch members, okay. to talk about any? I'm just, I'm just, just so yeah, I know. You, you, yeah, you can talk about. It. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna censor the conversation. Although I'll tell you wondering. that most techies are not good guests, uh, excluding somebody like Daniel Chait, who's uh, uh, he does a lot of research into the recruiting process. He's recruited a lot of people himself. He was a very good guest. But uh, on the other hand, uh, yeah. I, you know, I think I, I actually did turn someone down because they're they're making a competing product. I don't know if that's yeah. Right see. So are all other ATSs and discussions thereof blackballed forever? Not, not discussions. No, They're only until Martin dumps dumps the show. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that just be a sales pitch then? If you had an ATS representative come on, what, what are they going to be? What, what are they going to be talking uh, about other that, than their other than their product? You know what? We don't have to I mean, discuss the well, ads on the show. Well, we use PCR recruiter in our office. Okay, okay. animal God. You use it? We actually we actually use PC Recruiter in our office. Have have done so since 2009. Oh, and you like it? Oh my God, it's collusion. It's we so don't know obvious. any difference. I, I honestly don't now know any know difference. Now we know why he's a guest. I got, oh, no, exactly. that's not there true, you go. Jim. Jim, Jim, this guy hates me. He's not here because he likes me. Okay. 
No, I'm uh, just, yeah, of course. Okay. I have a lot of love in my heart. He doesn't describe it as hate, animal. No, no, no. He, okay. Yeah, there anyway, are other words that, are, that don't Jerry, have quite the Jerry, sting. Jerry, did you, yes. did you have a question that you wanted to ask Steve? Because I have to tell you, Jerry called me before the show, and he told me that he thinks Stephen Nahez is an exceptional recruiter or sure. a very good recruiter. Okay, so is there a question you want to ask him where he can teach you something? Uh, probably not. Jerry okay. needs a job. Does <laughs> anybody else, Jim, we'll get back to you in a second. Anybody else who's on the line who wants to I've ask I've got a question. I've got a question. I really do. No, you didn't. Okay, go ahead. Recruiters, we all have our own kind of policy, procedures and systems and flows. How involved are you from the time you introduce a candidate to your customer? How how much on the phone coordination, feedback, selling, closing, uncovering, and solving do you do through the process? Or are you a more of a hands-off uh, process and you just check every morning to see if you made a placement? I think that it would probably fall in the latter category relative to what uh, most recruiters do in our industry. Okay. We, we identify the recruiters firsthand, of course, and we uh, – Often, in almost every case, we schedule the interviews. We get some basic feedback, you know, was it thumbs up, thumbs down kind of feedback. We get some, of course, we ask them for some additional information, but really we're just shooting for the thumbs up or thumbs down. In or out, that's what you want to know, in or out, yeah. That's right. We're, we're, uh, and in my office, I, you know, I'm, I, in many of our positions, probably three-quarters of them, you know, we're filling cubicles. And we're filling cubicles with people, you know, uh, the, the candidates that we find. So you're, you're, uh, we you know do, what? I we don't do think any, every... I don't think anybody, nobody knows what you're talking about. If you'd like, uh, I can elaborate on this. Well, Jerry he, says, he was elaborating. Says, you don't need to no, say no. what I say. I'll say what I say. No, you, no, there's nobody knows what you're talking about. Okay. Don't you, don't make me mute you. Okay. Look, Look, let me come back to that, okay? Well, let me say what Jerry wants to ask is, does your company, when you make a placement, does your company, does your client actually get back to you, or do they just hire the guy, and somehow you find out after? That's Jerry's <laughs> Oh, no, we no, we, we follow through after the candidate starts. We follow through with the candidate after the candidate starts, and we also do, we also do follow-up calls uh, with the candidate to, you know, a couple months later, do you uh, extend the offer, Mayhez? Do you extend uh, the offer? 50, do you have the written offer on your desk? Do you pre-close the candidate? Percent of the time, we we leave that we we leave that up to the uh, the client to tell us if they want us to do that or not. But so about fifty percent of the time, we actually present the, the job offer. Okay, let me let me take control here because I'll come to the questions that are for you. You know, there's been a number of articles published by psychologists that say interviews are garbage. Face-to-face -face interviews, they don't tell you very much. General intelligence tests, they're better. Interviews have zero predictive power. And you, I've billed you for this show as the uh, father of the four-minute interview. But you'll see lots of, I just published a, an article this week from somebody who said you have to spend at least 30 minutes with every candidate to show them respect, right? Otherwise, they'll think you just look at them like widgets. They're not people. Okay, you spend four minutes with them. 
What's the story there? Can you explain it to us? Because you know what? If we all only had to spend four minutes with a candidate, we'd be doing a lot more work. And, you know, I I think, again, your 30-minute concept, uh, you're trying to find something that's universal for everything, for everybody. Now, in our our case, we, we... uh, we present ourselves as the introduction to an opportunity. We don't make any promises of whether or not the candidate uh, is going to get chosen to interview, so we, we create the introduction for them. Most of the time, it's of a company that the candidate's never heard of. We make sure that we get that information over to the candidate so the candidate can start doing a little bit of research and they can generate their own excitement. But, yeah, basically when, when we uh, dial somebody up on the phone, we've already confirmed those basic elements I talked about before. And that's addressing title, where the candidate's located, and money, okay? Um, and, and by the way, when we're approaching a candidate, we can pretty much take a wild guess on approximately where they're at compensation-wise that, before, we, before we make a call to them so that we're not, uh, not going to be underselling or overselling a, an opportunity Do you ask them. salary? So Do you ask salary? Every time. Every single time. Every single time. Every no. single time. Every single candidate. No. What? I'm sorry. I what, didn't if catch that. No? what if they say no? What if they say no? We we explain to them that we we need to know because we're going to be uh, presenting a summary of their background and included in that we need to let the the client know approximately where they're at, you know, uh, from a compensation standpoint. Okay. What summary of their background is that? Just their resume? Because you're only spending four minutes on the phone with the person. It's obviously just you know, uh, are you interested? Yeah. Boom. I'll get back. We don't draft out paragraphs of information about individual candidates. We, we present the candidate uh, we, and, and really pretty basic elements on uh, their commute, uh, their degree, oftentimes if they need any type of sponsorship. Um, we, uh, we address, you know, where they're at compensation-wise. A little bit about where they go to church, how tall they are. No, 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 no. We don't. We don't. We no. We don't. We don't get into uh, uh, any of that baloney. Okay. Fact, there's there's some things that we do. That in in our in our industry. Little humor, people. Need... Come on. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. What are you asking okay. in that four minute interview? He just told you. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's yeah, obviously we, not. We got to tell me what he has before he starts talking to. Okay. Let him talk to Michael Cox. That was Michael who asked the question, right? Let him talk to Michael Cox. Go ahead. Michael. All right, Michael. So I just, just wanted to know what you're asking go, Michael. in that four-minute interview. We have a 30-second elevator speech that we, every single recruiter basically says the exact same thing to, uh, to each candidate. We, when, they, when they get them live on the phone, we identify who we are, where we're located, that we're a private agency. We don't use the word boutique in our, in our industry. It, it, we've, we've sort of – I've always hated it. it, it it doesn't, it, doesn't come across, it doesn't come across very well. So we tell them we're a private agency. We work uh, on, be, on behalf of the HR departments that, of the client companies that we work with. We work with a number of companies that maybe you've never heard of before, but these are, are, are big companies. They're, in, they're big companies. And, you know, the first thing we ask them is if it's okay time to talk with them for a few minutes. If they say yes, then we say, hey, look, okay, our, the reason why we're on the phone is that we are uh, – we're here to make an introduction to you. We have a copy of your resume, and based on the background that we see, you know, we confirm that they're working at whatever companies on their resume, and then we tell them where, where the position's located. We tell them who the company is, 
right out of the gate, within the second minute of the phone call, we're, we're identifying our client company. And that's interesting because, Animal, you were talking about earlier about, you know, hiding that from the candidate. That's intolerable in our industry. We have to identify who the company is. That, that lends a huge amount of credibility to, credibility to us right away. We've literally never had a candidate hang up on us, run to their computer, and try applying for the job. Never. However, that's just the example that Animal gave us in his uh, monologue earlier on example. the show. Hmm. Yeah. So that's how we tackle a three to four. And we do measure that. Every, every recruiter in the office has a, a very simple uh, metric sheet that they fill out every day. And one of the, one of the items that's on the bottom of the sheet is uh, average out, outgoing call time. And we can tell if it's pushing, you know, 60 seconds or a minute, uh, then they're leaving a lot more voicemails that day. And if it's pushing, you know, upwards to four minutes or so, then we know they've been uh, live with a lot of candidates that day. Uh huh. Okay. So hold on a second. As part of your standard uh, introduction saying we work with a lot of companies you've never heard of, but they're very substantial. Is that what you actually say? The, the candidates that we're contacting understand how the automotive industry is structured. So they know that there's only a certain amount of suppliers that sell each commodity, such as light bulbs. There's only four or five companies maybe that sell light bulbs or bumpers. Okay. So if, if we're calling a candidate, we'll typically identify and say, okay, our, our client company is one of the, one of the companies that, that manufactures bumpers. They, they're named blah, blah, blah company. And that, that, that clues in to the candidate that we know what we're talking about and it's not being generic enough and it's, it's lending itself to credibility. The, the three or four minute screening is all about building credibility. Everyone that we're calling, just about everybody that we're calling out of our office is a cold call out of the blue, never spoke to that person before. So again, when we go back and look at the metrics, and if, if, if we got a recruiter that's been doing 60-second phone calls all day, that means the list of candidates that they're hitting, for, that they've hit that particular day, isn't a very good match to what uh, they're recruiting on because they're just leaving voicemail messages. We should be connecting with the candidates more and more, and that should be upwards in, a, in an eight-hour day. We should be connecting. Okay, what 40 goes to into 50 the voicemail? What goes into? First of all, are you calling these people at work? Yes or no? You mean at their desk? Yeah. Uh, we're not calling them on their desk phone. We're calling them on their cell phone. Every single, every single human being in the automotive industry has a cell phone. Every single During one. During working hours. During working hours, yes or no? Of course, yeah. Only working hours. We don't work, We don't call make. We don't call candidates outside of eight. Outside of eight, eight to five. Okay. So you only call them in. Hold on. Your first point of contact on the job is not the email, or have you already sent out a circular to your talent pool that this is a job you're looking for? Will they know that you're looking for it? You just said they've never spoken to you before. Is that the first point of contact on the phone? Uh, that, that's a statistic that you're asking. So some candidates do get an email from us. Some candidates, you know, in very rare occasions get like a LinkedIn email from us. But our primary mode of, of, of first contact is always by phone. What's in always. the voicemail? What's in the voicemail? Voicemail is exactly – well, you have to – okay, let's take, let's take two seconds here. 
Yeah. We know that we're up against. I feel like I'm being other... uh, watching an execution or a firing squad thing here. Relax, animal. You know what, Jerry? Yeah, if I know are, I don't uh, have to fight with you, if I know I don't have to fight with you to ask a question, I'll yeah. relax. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go back to the Just useless degrees. Let's go back to the useless degrees uh, conversation we had a few minutes ago. There's a ton of people out there, especially in their 20s, with useless degrees. Companies, uh, big, bigger. Uh, third-party recruiting agency, I'm not going to mention any names, but we know who they are. Uh, a lot of those companies will, uh, will take these, uh, you know, these individuals in and train them in a, in, a, in a quick way over a couple months period to see if they can handle the volume of phone calls. And, and they, these, these recruiters, in quotation, air quotes, okay, these recruiters don't understand the industry that they're recruiting in. So we know that's our competition. We know for every one of us, there's going to be five, six, seven, eight, who knows how many of these other, you know, uh, basically ignorant, you know, recruiters out there making phone calls and doing their own little, uh, you know, basic elevator pitches to the, to the candidate. Hi, I'm Sally. I'm, I'm with blah, 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 and I'm calling you about a job. What we do is we leave specifics. We leave specifics in the in the. Uh, in the voicemail, we identify who we are, where we're located, what we do. We tell them we're working with a company. Uh, we give them a, a, enough breadcrumbs to know what what uh, area of the market they're in. So it might be we're working with a bumper a bumper company. Maybe you've heard of this. And we then we tell them that we are scheduling interviews. And if they have interest, we'd be happy to fully disclose what we're working on with them, and they can determine with us if they, if they want to move forward or not. We're okay, trying hold to on a separate. second. Wait, wait yeah. a second now. That's wait it. a second. There's lots of yep. people on the line, and I want to know somebody who's shy. Lots of these people are shy. This is your chance. Is there anybody here who thinks they could manage a uh, four-minute interview process? And, you know, the candidate or potential candidate, they wouldn't say, uh, can you tell me more? Can, can they ask a question without having to say who they are, animal? Go ahead. No, I'm just wondering if they can. I, I think a lot of people think that yeah, if they yeah, step sure, up, you're going to okay. chop their head off. It's a very aggressive environment. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Is there a baby on the line? Somebody trying to cry or something? I, I don't know. I heard something. Okay, I'm opening oh, I'm the floor from now. Home today. Okay, Michael Cox, could you deal with these four-minute interviews? Would that work for you? Well, the fact is that before you speak to somebody for four minutes, you already know their background. You know the exact job you're working on. Why are you going to waste time? I get the fact that we're only going to talk about just the details of this opportunity and only okay. the part of Michael your background Cox. Michael Cox, you know, everybody here is so slippery. Michael Cox, you find somebody on LinkedIn. You see their profile. You phone them up. Hi, my name's Michael Cox. I'm with company XYZ. We're in the XYZ business. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I'm looking at your resume. It looks like you've got this background. Uh, can I schedule you for an interview at, on Thursday at 4 o'clock? Is that okay for you? Would you do that? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Anybody else? No. No. Who's no? Who's saying no? Okay, Anonymous you is. You Come on, man. That's what I just said. Yeah, but how can I talk to them if I don't know at least a first name or an area code? How can I say? You with the funny voice? What am I yeah, supposed to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> okay. J- 
Jim Durbin, yeah. are you still with us? Do you have a comment on that? Come on, you must have something to say. Four minute interview. Could you do it? He's not there. Okay. I've got a question. Go ahead. Nahez, do you yes, sir. do you believe that many of us might simply be just doing overkill? Like we don't really need to talk to these candidates as much as we think. We don't have to close and uncover objections and just do we're just just simply caught up in overkill, caught up in our own process and our own words and methods that it's all just wasted time and we could be just knocking out these four minute placements all day long. Of course he thinks that. No. No. I don't, no, I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm no. interested in another as a, perspective. as a quick answer I, I, I say no because people that I would identify as true blue, you know, dyed in the wool recruiters. Okay, probably everybody on the phone here. Uh, you have to separate yourself from the 75, 80% of uh, people that think they're, uh, you know, uh, drummers or they're going to be an actress or whatever, but they come to the job to do the recruiting for eight hours a day or whatever. Okay, people that are uh, the dyed in the wool recruiters will uh, assimilate to their industry, to, to what they need to do for their industry. If, if, if you're recruiting the director of customer services for a healthcare system, Obviously, a, a four-minute okay. uh, discussion is not going to work. So you're but saying automotive not? design engineers don't want all that crap. They just want the job. They want to know about it. Where is it? Bam, they do it. Or not. Bam. You got it. Okay. Yep, you got why, it. Uh, uh, why won't the director of uh, health services or customer service for uh, uh, why won't that work? Why not? Well, I just happen to personally have a, a, a friend of mine that's, you know, a, an excellent recruiter, six, seven-figure biller who recruits in that area and for her positions around the country, she may only be, she may look, only be looking to identify two, possibly three candidates total for positions like that. In our case, yeah. we're usually searching, we're usually uh, out there hunting for at least four to seven, believe it or not. I know that might be shocked to you know, some of you, but it's typically four to seven. In some cases we go up to 12, sometimes 15 candidates. Okay, but why wouldn't uh, a four-minute interview work for one of her candidates? They know she knows they're uh, in a reasonable job. She's seen their profile. What's there to find out that she doesn't know from their profile? Why can't she do well, a four-minute interview? Because I think I think what I was getting at is that that's more of an executive C-level type search. We're our specialty is more in the world of individual contributor. When you move on to management role positions, obviously you're going to end up spending a little bit more time. Because not only are you looking, not only are you trying to identify a candidate that has a, pertin, a particular expertise in, in our field, for example, bumper design. But if you're looking for an engineering manager, now you need to find somebody that has bumper design plus knows how to manage people, plus no, has a management style. Those types, of, those types of additional things that come with management positions don't, fall very, don't fit very well in a three- to four-minute screening session. Okay, so you can't hire a manager in a four-minute interview. Is that, That's what you're saying now, right? Correct. That's exactly right, okay. yeah. That's okay. Right. I'm going to do an ad for our new sponsor, Hire Tool. And I want to say a special hello to Nin Tran, who is the COO with that company. Now, in case you don't know, Hire Tool is spelled like this, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com. 
HiredTool.com. You know what? There's a uh, let me. See. I got a little script for it. Hey everybody, there's a new sourcing tool in town, and it's getting rave reviews, and it's called Hire Tool. H I R E T U A L. When I first heard about it, people were raving, and I'm not kidding. I'm not saying this because they're paying me, okay? They were raving about its ability to find contact information. Then I did a demo with Nin. And I found out that it helps you do all kinds of sourcing. It builds search strings for you in LinkedIn, Facebook, and GitHub. And it tells you how close a match the people who come up in the search results are. It also estimates their salary. Okay? So please check it out at HireTool.com. H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. HireTool.com. And if you go there... You can get their Chrome extension for free and try it out. Give it a test run. Thank you. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me see. What about, though, these guys, uh, Nahez, what about the guys who uh, do ask for salary and they want proof as well? Is that really bad? It's not common at all in our industry. We don't. Is it? Uh, yeah, but we very rarely have to. Is it bad? I'm sorry. Is it bad? Is it bad? Someone, yeah, would you tell people don't do that, generally speaking? I don't speak general. I, I, I don't know okay. what works okay. in other industries. Okay. Okay. I, and okay. that's why, okay. I, you know. Okay. Do, what about onboarding? I mean, in Jerry's world of uh, contract IT, it might, yeah, absolutely. I, I could see that, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot more uh, salary negotiation that's involved with that than than in our industry. Our industry has very, very standard ranges for what people do. So do they get increases when they move from one job to another? Every time, every time. That's part of the agreement that we have with our clients that when we when we present a candidate, they have to evaluate the candidate, where they're currently at, and there has to be something – Something has to be improved on the candidate's compensation. They, money. Okay. I'm talking. I'm talking okay. cash, taking home money. They, every uh-huh. client agrees with that. That they're going to bring somebody in. That they are going to make them an offer. Yeah. Okay. Which okay. okay. I got the money. message. I got it. I got. It. We heard that. Okay. What about onboarding? Some right. people say that third-party agency recruiters should get deeply involved with the onboarding uh, for retention purposes to make sure the company greets the new uh, hire, uh, that they give them a desk, that they show them around and introduce them to people. Do you make sure that your uh, candidates are well treated? in their first week at the company? No. We make sure that the candidate goes to their, goes and interviews or at least has a tour of the workplace. And I'm talking uh, the entire workplace of the, typically it's an R&D center or or a manufacturing facility. The candidate needs to have an entire tour of the facility before they take the job. They need to see if people are slobs there. They need to see if the place is, you know, how the place is put together. A lot, of, a lot of interviews that take place in our industry, candidate shows up at the lobby. The lobbies look exactly the same no matter where you go. They're, they're sort of state-of-the-art looking, pretty places, the prettiest place in the building. There's either a receptionist or a phone. Then they're marched back to a conference room where they're interviewed. That's not me squeaking, by the way. Hey, 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 um, this is boring. No, no, no. 
Uh, time, 12.46. Content. Slim. Let's go. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. Sorry, well, man. Jerry, you asked me something crazy. So hey, question. Okay. I got a question. Hey, you said earlier this is not my show, so don't blame me. I'm just another you know what, cabbage Jerry, head I on never, the truck I, here. Hold on. Hold on. I never stop you from asking questions. Okay? Okay. Someone Somebody's got a hand question. Up. Somebody okay. else had a question. Go ahead. Uh, go I ahead. wanted this is this is Garrett Chan. Um, Hi, I Garrett. wanted to hear about Stevens. Uh, what's his, what his hardest challenge or biggest success has been? The hardest challenge I've had uh, building an office has been uh, recruiter retention, and you know keeping recruiters and keeping them focused on uh, how to operate and, and do it productively in our industry. As I may have mentioned, uh, some of you may have read the, the Facebook post I put up. Um, I'm probably the only person in the office that puts in a full 40-hour 40, 40 week plus, mm. plus some because I, uh, I do a lot of stuff on the side because it is my business. Most of the recruiters there work less than 40 hours in my office, and they're probably top 5 or 7% recruiters in the, you know, in the industry. Um, so getting to those those few recruiters that are working there is taking a lot of effort, uh, time, and work. And, um, and I think we have a process now uh, that will force someone to be successful as long as they're as long as they they are personally trainable and coachable. Some people don't want to be coached. Some people don't want to be trained. They want to do things their way. That's not necessarily going to work in our office. Dude, you need to end the show right there. That was fantastic. Really? I, I didn't think he. I didn't think he and answered the question. cut. I, I didn't think he answered the question. Okay. You know That's what? Okay. Here's my question. Sounded good. It sounds. It sounds like Nahez is one recruiter who could surely be replaced by a robot. Am I right or wrong about that? Do you, are you afraid oh, of being replaced a, by a robot? Give me a break. <laughs> Come on, man. They're, they're, that artificial intelligence is never going to work in the automotive industry, okay? There is, not, there, there is not enough screening tools. There's not enough software out there that can sift through resumes and because, uh, unfortunately, I, I, unfortunately, for example, in Europe, they're trying to standardize, what do they call them, CVs or whatever, okay? They're trying to come up with more standardized uh, CVs that can be scoped through pretty quick. Unfortunately, in the United States of America, uh, the resume is left. Who the heck is that? Sorry. I don't know. I'm Thank sorry. You. I'm sorry. Thanks, uh, I'll start closing. I'll start closing the the thing so maybe we can hear you better. Go ahead. So what I'm getting what I'm getting to is that at least from what I've seen for the last I don't know 15 years or so, um, resumes are left completely to the individual to draft them however they want. There's barely any rhyme or reason or semblance of order between how somebody writes their resume, whether they put their degree at the top or put their degree at the bottom. And the biggest issue that we have in our industry, as I said, we're often looking for uh, electrical engineers and mechanical engineers. These people, uh, our candidates, um, put down their degree in a multitude of different ways that's very, very hard to screen using uh, any type of basic Boolean search or anything beyond that. So uh, if you were to ask me, well, Steve, you're a robot. What What do you do? You just go in and sift through resumes. In, in many ways, we do. We have to identify and look at resume by resume to see and make sure that, A, the degree is correct, and, B, 
what the candidate's been doing is, is accurate. Um, so I can, I can tell probably in other industries, in finance or marketing or even sales, you, a lot of that is uh, already built into the, the core resume. But in our industry, you just can't get away from, you know, fleshy brains. You can't, you can't do it. You have to have somebody, a human being, reviewing the resume. That's why the uh, okay, you know, the younger, the younger generation. Oh. That's why the younger generation recruiters don't succeed in our in our business because they don't know what they're looking at when they're reading these resumes. They just can't. They can't tell what they're looking at. Okay, Jerry's groaning. Do you want to ask a question, Jerry? That was a yawn. I'm sorry. It wasn't a groan. It was a yawn. You caught me. Sorry. Go, go ahead. Go I, ahead. This, no, this is my nap time, man. What? No, 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 no. Go tell ahead. You, Jerry? Go ahead. Tell me what go exciting ahead. thing I could tell you. Please. Well, you know what? How much, I, I, how, much, how much money should a recruiter make each year? I'm not talking about billings. I'm not salary. A solid recruiter that's making placements as hard as I can all year long. How much money should that person make? Well, it, that would depend on how, what their pay structure is. But no, the no, that, no. That's what I said. How much should they make? A very, very good recruiter? Yeah. Or just, a good, just a good or, recruiter. I'm not talking about the best ever. I'd just, say you know. three to four hundred. I, I, okay, I, I, I'd say a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And that's with the people in your office make i'm saying a uh, how much should a good recruiter make a year uh probably 100 to 200,000 dollars and the people yep. in your office under your tutelage he's not going to answer that i'm not going to answer that man i'm not i'm Gosh. not doing that. I, i'm not going to i'm not going to talk numbers yeah, i will tell you that our uh our average uh placement fee is uh right around 20 20,000 dollars per placement okay. okay and i think that means a lot because um you know, when you look at the spectrum of recruiters from sea level on down, uh, there, I mean, there are recruiting agencies that, that do staffing levels things for, for less than $10,000. Yeah. And, and that's just, you know, that's just not the world that we're in. I want to get my average fees up, too. Yeah. Okay. Average uh, work on higher paying jobs. That's very important. Steve Nahes, um, I have yes. to do another ad for uh, – for PC Recruiter, but maybe we could do it this way. You could tell me why you're using them. How come you're using PC Recruiter? I personally know about a half dozen people that work there. We've, I've used it since uh, uh, the beginning. It's when I started recruiting from 2003 on. They, uh, they have uh, updated from PCR 8 to PCR 9, which is very modernized. And the biggest thing about PC Recruiter is it's customizable for your office and for the industry that you're working in. You, uh, you can actually connect uh, with clients through PC Recruiter. You can uh, handle your email through there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just versatile. all inclusive. Okay. It's very, it's Thanks. Extremely versatile. Yeah. That's a, it's a good ad. What's your favorite Chrome extension or do you use Chrome extensions? Well, as a matter of fact, we have a uh, PCR has its own Chrome extension, which inhales uh, Facebook and LinkedIn profiles into your database and coordinates and, and, and puts a picture with the candidate uh, on the candidate profile as well. Okay. And are you doing a lot of Facebook recruiting then? Are, you, are there a lot of guys who 
you know, announce on uh, Facebook that they're automotive engineers? Uh, we we have not started doing that, and it is a, it, there, there's an objective. Uh, we did go to a conference, and there is a trick, which I'd have to dig it up, but there's a trick at how to identify um, – candidates in your marketplace through Facebook, and it's, it's not easy. Um, you have to go to, um, for example, uh, a good, a fair portion of the, our candidate base are involved in a, in, a, uh, in a club called Society of Automotive Engineers. And you have to go to their website and you have to click on, the, on their Facebook link. And then somehow through the back end, you can actually drill down and find a full list of the um, of of their membership through uh-huh. that, who are also happen who also happen to be on Facebook, and that's uh-huh. something that we're going to look at for next year. But and we're, we're going to be making you. an you extra hire. Click, you just have to click on members. Every group, my group on Facebook, Jerry's group. There's a, a a tab that says members. Click on that, and you can see all of them. Now maybe the Chrome extension and, it'll suck it up from there. I don't know. Anyway, this right couple, let's, exactly. Let's do, so that, let's, Let's do a couple we're not, of No, we are not. But we are using Facebook to and take a look at the candidate. Back to your Steve Bannon question, and if there's some, if there's some, uh, I'd say uh, things we observe on their on their pictures that we might want to address with the candidate, um, we we may in a rare instance do that. So really, it does that, happen. Doesn't sound, like, yeah. doesn't sound like you. I'm surprised to hear that. I mean. You're, you're like a wham-bam, thank you, sir. Uh, and that doesn't seem to allow time for researching the person's uh, photos, et cetera, on, on we, Facebook. We, in my office, we separate things uh, we, really down to basics. We call uh, – there's, there's certain types of called money calls, and there are certain kinds of calls that are not money calls. Not money calls would include recruiting, recruiting phone calls, marketing phone calls, and other. Money calls – Include interview prep, interview scheduling, and closing, closing a candidate uh, when they get a job offer. Those are the three money calls. So interview prep is huge. We have an interview prep sheet that we sometimes send to the candidates that talks addresses stuff like, please don't uh, smoke a cigarette, you know, two minutes before your interview out in the parking lot. Nasty. They, they, they are gonna. They they will. Well, I was a smoker for 20 years. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had seven different jobs in the automotive industry before I started recruiting. And I interviewed a lot. I was not a, a, probably not a fabulous employee, I guess, looking back on it. And I did, I go, I did go to a lot of interviews. And I would pound a cigarette, you know, yeah. uh, five, five minutes before an interview. And I had no idea that, it, you know, that, that the smell was uh, – you know, stay, it kind of stays on. Yeah, sm- smokers and, don't. They think, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it can be, it, 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 it can't, it can, well, the big thing is it can't help you, right? All it can do is it can take away from you. Even though we're, you know, we're moving into a society where you're not supposed to be making judgments about people, but if they smell like an ashtray. Yep. Hey, uh, animal, animal, animal. Yeah. There, there's a guy, Rich Moore. He's on the line, and you didn't open up all the lines. He says he's tried to interject, okay. but he's been um, cut off. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm you need a code or something? What do you need to know? No, Jerry, let me tell you what happened, okay? Be, no, I want that, him to say hey just to prove yeah, yeah. that his line's open. 
that noise was driving me crazy, and was so I him? closed every I closed everybody but us, ah. so that uh, we could. And you know what? It made a huge difference. I could focus on what Steve was saying without all kinds of stuttering and whistling great, great. noises. And, and you've alienated some new callers. Their first experience no, with your show is it sucks. After I did that, the show picked up. It was much more interesting to me. And all the lines are open moving now. Moving along, moving along. If Rich, Moore, if Rich Moore hits your right-wing guy on your group, I think, if he wants to talk, go ahead. Rich He's Moore. a boat man. Rich Moore. Are you there? Rich Moore here. I love Hi, you. Want to, good. What do you want to say? You got a question for Stephen no, Nahas? I, I if we've already moved past it. No, I just was commenting on, on his uh, on his niche. I thought it was cool. I've worked a niche oh. like that, but it was for a specific client. Cool. We had okay. four-minute interview, interviews as well. Thanks, Thanks. for calling Thanks. in, Rich. Animal Maybe. eating. Yeah. Man, I, I'm not going to ask my friends to come over here if you're just going to snap at them like this. Well, I, well I, just help me calm down, okay? Please do. Stop criticizing me all the time. There you go. Try the decaf. It tastes just like the regular. Go have a cigarette. Look, look. Uh, well, you know what? Let's talk about dictators. Uh, Stephen Nahez says he's a paperless office. He does not allow note-taking on paper at, at the desk. What's the story there? I've always what? thought no. Go ahead. I'll tell him to let him talk. That's absurd, Nahez. People can't take notes on paper? No. No, people don't. No, I don't. I don't allow notes in our office because what I found is what. At first, it starts out as a good idea. Oh yeah, it's, if they tell me their phone number, I can write it down. The next thing you know, they're they're writing themselves. What they're doing is they're writing themselves reminders, which they never get around to doing. So what they have to do, any anything that's a reminder, they should be typing themselves an email and sending it to themselves. So that's okay. in their inbox. Okay, but they're, the okay, they're talking to a uh, customer about a position. Are yeah. they supposed to be sitting there typing notes into your PC recruiter system? Or they are allowed to hold a pen or they're writing not, instrument in their to, hand, aren't they? For the most part, they're not even allowed to type. They have to listen. They're, and, and, and they Writing are, uh, down yeah, while you listen helps you take ownership of the story, dude. Now, the basic elements of what we need for the search, they can memorize during the phone call. And if they're not distracted, okay, if they're not distracting themselves, okay, if, if they need to take down a phone number, everybody's issued a little pack of Post-it notes, and they can write down a phone number. But if I find that they're putting themselves reminders, they're writing reminders, then their Post-it notes get confiscated. I'm a dictator. So, so when they're having a discussion with the manager and the manager's talking about some of the projects that they have coming up or the tools or whatever, they're supposed to just remember that in their brain. Remember Short-term it. memory versus long-term memory, Jerry. They, <laughs> I mean, exactly. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, that's right. They're not going to be able nuts, to refer back two weeks, two weeks to, to the manager said that he was going to go fishing somewhere. You know, No, they're not going to be able to refer back to notes to, dude, to remember dude, that. No. I'm telling you, you need to bring me up to your office a couple of days a week for the next, I'm going to say two months. We'll, we'll crank that thing up 60 80%. Same people, same amount of time. My, I, I want you to come so I can take you to my clients. You can come to my office so I can take you to my clients so you can sell contract services. Yeah. How's that sound? For the record, I have been to Nahez's <laughs> office. It's cool. 
Okay. Here's another question. Uh, uh, I agree with Jerry. That's the most absurd thing I ever heard. It's ridiculous. I can't understand. I can't understand it. Okay. Uh, because first of all, most recruiters they want to get the notes, uh, you know, write them up, and then send it back to the hiring manager so they've got agreement, essentially a contract that this is what I'm looking for. I don't do that. Hey, I like, don't do like that. The, you're like the king of generalities. Most recruiters like to. Yeah, I, I don't do that, animal. Because, because then, see, I'm asking some. I'm asking some pretty good questions. Okay, stuff that your normal HR chump or whoever isn't asking. So I'm uncovering what I need to know to make a placement. I'm not going to then encapsulate that in an email to send it to the manager. Who the next recruiter that calls? Oh, hey, I've got yeah, some notes right here. I can send you. This is exactly yeah. what I'm looking for. God, the people in our industry, I can't believe it. You should be ashamed of yourself. Who's What's making what that What do we got? Like, uh, what, what is that? I don't know. Okay. Rich Moore. <laughs> I was Rich Moore. <laughs> I guess so. Look, you also. Hi, Maureen. I'm I think Maureen you. is here now. Hey, I'm Maureen, here. If you're Hi, Maureen. Here. Okay, Garrick Chan was back. wondering where you were. So uh, thank you, Garrick. Maybe Garrick's still on the line. He says, where are you saying? Where's Maureen? Okay, he missed you. Okay, so. Uh, I just muted myself to go. Okay, Stephen, Stephen Nahez. Stephen Nahez, you've got a PACT, P-A-C-T, a contract that you outline to the candidate just before or after the final interview. What does that mean? What's a PACT? We tell the we tell the candidate uh, we first of all we alert the candidate and we tell them that they're probably headed towards an offer, okay, and right following that that's that's usually when we have a pretty darn good idea that they're headed for an offer. Then we tell the candidate, look, again, just as we spoke on. Hold on a second. Right, I told you why I I closed it all off because these guys are wrecking the show. I'm sorry. Rich, is that you, man? Oh, you got so your so window so down. Did you just turn the fan like 10, on? Ten seconds? No, I'm, I've had it on yet. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. Animal, I do have two questions before the show is over. How am I, I supposed to answer that in ten, ten, ten seconds? Answer my question. Why don't you let him ask? Okay, you ask your Your questions are the getting pack, lame. The, pact is, the, pact, the recruiter pact is basically telling the candidate that we're not going to do a sales pitch on them or push them to uh, take the offer, period. We're not going to do that. And, and if we are uh, – hmm. I like telling people what I'm not going to do as I'm doing it. I mean, that, that is the way to go. It is a good what sales does that pitch, mean? quite frankly. So you don't, you, you I'm don't not going to sell you, but would you mind signing this paperwork? Hold no, on, I don't, you, we don't do that. Hey, what Jerry, percentage? Jerry does animal. that because your candidates become your employees. My, not my always. Hey, hey, Newsflash no, no, to no. Nahez. Newsflash to Nahez. We Bye. do plenty of direct placements, dude. This is not a foreign concept to me. You need to prove it. Okay. I need to Nahez. prove it. Steve Nahez. I, mean, I need to prove it. Here's my question. What percentage oh, of your offers are accepted? Uh, we do track that. I think for last year it was like 82%. Okay. I, I'd like Why to hear 90, but I, I'll do 82% if it's – if it, on four four minute no, phone calls and ninety this year, we had a lot. No of, we had a lot of counter offers. <laughs> yeah, four minute phone calls and no notes, dude. You need to write a book about this. It's, I'm telling you, you, you should you should patent this. I system. sell it to what? Fifteen people. I'm not like you know. No. What's what's not your really other cool. what's your other question, Jerry? That was it. Okay, I, I have made a it, question. I made it seem like I had two. 
I just got okay. one in. Well, I have, I have a question. So what he's saying is that he doesn't ever try to persuade somebody to take a job. If they say, I'm not sure, Steve, it doesn't sound right for me, you never try to say, well, tell us what's wrong. Maybe, maybe there's some misunderstanding here. Maybe I can get some clarification for you. Or, <laughs> Of course he does that, man. Does he? Stephen Nahas, well, of do you course. Let him now, answer. Now, Jerry, I, 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 no, I, I, Jerry, I think you're going to need more than We do, do not, we do not, we do not say one thing that would come across as a sales pitch to our candidates. When they get the offer, we tell them, when you get this job offer, that's between you and your family. It's a personal decision. You're probably going to get more than one offer. You're probably going to be sitting on two or three. You're, you're a fabulous candidate. The only thing I ask you is to stay in touch with me and let me know what's going on. We, but I will tell you this. If they, when they agree with us that they'll do that, we also, we also tell them that uh, we, we, don't, we don't allow candidates to sit on offers more than a couple of days, period. Because coming out of the final interview. You know, I'm just not sure about this. I mean, I, gosh, I just don't know. If the candidate says that, then our immediate response is then you don't have enough information to make this decision. We need to get you on the phone, back on the phone with either HR or the hiring manager to, to go through some of the concerns that you have. And, but you don't want to know what those concerns are because if you listen to those concerns, well, but you certainly wouldn't write them down anyway, so I guess why ask what the concerns are. You just put it right back to HR. Get on the phone. Get on the phone with them, and you don't even know what the concerns are or considerations. Or... That, that's, that's not necessarily true. The okay, I'm just trying to understand. The, the, the candidates will sometimes disclose if they have some concerns. Sometimes they don't want to. Okay, Stephen Nahez, okay. look, you know, if, cool. uh, some of these people, these recruiters, like to call themselves trusted consultants, and I often wonder how they could advise somebody about their careers. But you're in a position, you are an engineer yourself. You've worked at, you just said, seven or eight jobs in the automotive industry. It's a field I imagine you understand very well. So if they have questions, you could actually probably answer them and tell them why this is a good move for them or not. Am I wrong about that? You are absolutely correct about that because the, uh, the first thing that we're trying to uncover with any candidate on our three- or four-minute phone call is their primary motivation for, for leaving the, the job that they're in, the primary motivation. Now, if a candidate's unemployed, we don't need to know what their motivation is. Uh, we, we already know what their motivation is, and we do place unemployed people. Um, but the, the, all the recruiters in our office are trained to drill at that, at that primary motivator, and you can typically – it all falls in a few different categories, really. But you can usually get the candidate to disclose pretty quickly what that is. And I, I, honestly, it's, it's not money. Most of the time it's not money. What is it? Typically they're looking for a new challenge. Okay, and how do you ask them? Do you just say, what would be your prime motivator in making a move at this time? Yeah, very. I mean, that's pretty close. Uh, yeah, I see you're working at ABC. What, what's got you looking around right now? But they're not looking. And they, you they, approach they, them. You approach them. And it's they're a something close. Yeah, we, we, we hit them with the assumption that they are looking around. And it's, 
you know, you get one out of five or one out of ten people that are like, no, I'm not looking around. You're the one that called me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the stuff that you run into in the day-to-day recruiting world shocks animal names. You know that. (laughs) It really does. But, but you guys, I I, I think it's important. I think it's really important, especially like in the the case of Jerry's, the side of Jerry's business, that's the IT contracting side. I'm not referring to this other side that he does permanent placement. But with the IT contracting side, I can imagine that uh, there are a lot of recruiters out there. Uh, some of them could have, you know, uh, that, there are a lot of recruiters out there that are very sales pitchy because IT is such a, there's such a heavy need and it's a, a lot more universal the skills networking, yeah. administration, stuff like that. So those candidates deal with recruiters, especially contractor candidates. They deal with recruiters on an ongoing basis a lot more All than, day long. Uh, our, than, our, than our target candidates. Telling them, our target telling candidates, recruiters to screw off is, is a daily responsibility for all of these. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen with us. Our, our candidates are uh, are probably getting multiple phone calls from uh, ignorant, um, you know, ignorant uh, telemarketing style uh, junior well, level recruiters. Know, they know, that, yeah, but that 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 makes them not want to talk to you. But here's what you didn't answer my question from ten minutes ago. Okay, you, you seem to be you seem to be a person with your background as an engineer and your what twenty years experience in the automotive industry and, mm. and a number of different jobs and in different companies. You seem to be someone who could be a good career counselor in that business. So why would you say, hands off, I'm not gonna give I'm not gonna give you any advice that you know, I've got a lot of experience that's relevant to you, but I promise I won't say anything. I don't understand that. Because I'm not gonna give advice. it's like asking the waitress to tell you what you wanna eat. How do I know what it, what someone What do you like to do tonight? Oh, dessert? I really like the chicken parm. Who gives a shit? Right. That's oh, right. Sorry. I can't say. I mean, how how presumptive is that? I'm going to get on Ridiculous. the phone with somebody I don't know, and I'm going to start explaining to them what they should be doing for their next career move. I shouldn't be doing that. I sh- I can offer them an opportunity to to make a career move. You know, My, I've realized I've realized something here, animal. It. I mean, it's always been said that. The key to to being a great closer is that the person you're working with doesn't even realize they're being closed. Yeah. I, I just today I realized there's a level above that. They don't realize they're being closed by a guy who swears and doesn't even think he is. I mean that's like that's right. the rocket science of closing. He's really not close. He's. I got to tell you what he's doing, Jerry. And I don't like it when, when there's high-pressure people telling you what to do and they don't really know. All they're thinking about is their own fee. But Nay has, they can look at his experience and say, here's a guy I should be paying to give me advice. He knows the career paths in the automotive industry better than I'm ever no. going to know in my whole life. Nay has not sending everybody his damn resume. That's like getting marital advice. Nobody listens to that. People aren't... People don't want your opinion. <laughs> you know, they don't. You're not a. You know what? Nobody's now, asking okay, us for our opinions. Candidates aren't asking for our opinions, animal. Where are you, man? 
I want you to bring somebody on your international podcast radio program who considers themselves a career consultant as a recruiter. I want to hear this this person. Okay. I want to hear how this person uh, tells complete strangers (laughs) what they should be doing in their career. That's what I want to hear. I can't wait to hear this one. Okay, because you know what? A woman, a woman with 20 years recruiting experience told me that on Facebook today. She said, I act as a trusted resource for them. And I was surprised, but she swore that they keep coming back to her for career advice. And I, I've never seen anybody, in my opinion, as well positioned as you to offer it, but you don't want to. There's a, uh, just a, a couple more questions. You have a system. The problem in a contingent uh, a recruiting office usually or a bullpen kind of situation is people fight over the candidates because, you know, I might recruit a candidate today. Two months later, Jerry recruits the same guy, and then we fight over who owns that person and who collects the fee for the candidate when he or she gets a job. You have a special way of sorting that out. You want to tell us what it is? We do. We actually share candidates, and we uh, a, a big portion of our success in the offices um, is recycling old searches. So if we get a program manager search, which happens all the time, first thing we did is we identified the top dozen uh, common positions that we fill. And there's about a dozen, okay? And these are common titles. Now, different companies might call it, you know, somebody, something a little bit different, but there's basically 12 common titles, which means we keep hitting the same search over and over again, okay? And these people, these people in these 12 different titles can't crisscross between titles. You have to stick with the same title, okay? So if it's a quality engineer, they need to become a quality engineer. That means that we have a lot of old searches, and if you're in a traditional recruiting office where you have a number of solo recruiters that are basically working their own desk, these people are not going to share their search results with their, with, their, with their neighbors, okay, because they are up against their neighbors in many cases. They're proprietary, yeah. Um, okay, get to the point. So you uh, just uh, make- yeah, we're losing so, traction. It, it, it's, it's 117. I got to go. Love you all, okay. but I've got big business yeah, I, going I on. I got to get out of here. Take I, I want to finish this off. Has, it's just you, there's a lot of people still here. I just want to clarify this. So you make any candidate – who comes into the office a general candidate. Is that right? Yeah, every candidate is op- open season on every single candidate in the office. No, uh, no recruiter can sandbag uh, and hide a, uh, a candidate that they find. That once the candidate is uh, contacted and it's, it's ascertained that the candidate's an active candidate, uh, that, that would be open for a new position, that's all the criteria is, that they're, that they're just open. That candidate is... Um, is then submitted to every single recruiter in the office, and every it's that candidate's fair game. Okay, and so well, I, so the thing is, if if Joe Blow is a candidate in the office, I have a job order. I can call him up, or you can call him up, or anybody else can call him up, and whoever gets whoever places them gets paid a fee for the candidate side. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We've actually had candidates go on go to six and seven of our clients on interviews. Okay, for different. Okay, anything else? A, we it's say? a total. There's people making noise here. Go ahead. Is there anything else we should talk about? Oh Jesus! Sorry, I shouldn't I think swear. The, I think the only thing I, I think I, th- I think the only thing I would, I would address is this to the recruiting community. One of the yep, most totally. important, uh, s- successful things that you can do is planning. 
And what we did in our office is we were able to create a system where the plan is made for you each day so you know exactly what you're going to do. And it's all based on, on priority of search of each job order that you're, you're working on. Uh, one day, a job order can, one job order can become more important than another, you know, uh, one day after the next. So you basically, uh, we have a, a, we have a process in our, in our office that allows the recruiter to, to function and a plan is actually created for them. If you don't have a process like that, you have to plan your day. Otherwise, you're just winging it each day. Who creates you're taking who a while. plans my day? I'm the recruiter in your office. Who plans my day? You? We have a worksheet, okay, which has five, five positions uh, listed at the top of the worksheet. In the center of the worksheet, there's another five spaces. The top five spaces, the recruiter comes in that day, and takes a look at all the positions that they have open, and they have to determine which the, what's, the, what's the position that they're going to make their very next placement on based on urgency, based on all the information that they have to calculate subjectively in their mind. Is the, is the hiring manager communicating? Is the HR person pounding on their head? They put that position as number one. They spend one hour recruiting on that position. Then they move to the second position. Then they move to the third. Then they move to the fourth and then the fifth. The other five openings are five marketing calls that they're going to make that day. They're going to make every single recruiter is going to make five marketing calls. They're going to write down what, you know, who they marketed to. And what that, that's necessary because that keeps you, um, you, you mar, five marketing calls can take a half an hour. It doesn't take that much time. But it keeps you limber. It keeps you uh, flexible and open and, and being able to make those marketing calls on a fresh basis so that you sound credible to your you know, your, your prospective client. Okay. So you have to do those. Those, Go ahead. So that that worksheet, and I, I don't have a problem sharing our worksheet. Uh, I can share it on the, on the Facebook page because it, you know, it it builds its own plan. Not going to work for everybody's industry, but if you're not planning before you come to work every day, you're probably winging it. Okay, but here's here's the question though. What's uh, let's talk about these marketing calls. You mean that's your business development calls? Yeah. So we have all these candidates that we're finding throughout the whole day. Every every recruiter's finding candidates, right? And yeah. those candidates are sort of being thrown into the active hopper. All you have yeah. to do, if you have a candidate that pops up in the middle of the day, you can make three, four, five marketing phone calls on that particular candidate on a confidential basis. So. You can see the candidates working at, let's say, a bumper, you know, supplier. You can make, you can call the other four bumper suppliers and call their engineering managers. Say, hey, we just had a candidate that popped up who's got experience with bumpers. Are you interested in seeing their resume? We don't tell who it's, who they're with, or what their name is, but we make a marketing call. Okay, so, the, so the, it doesn't take you a long time to research the engineering manager, and also you don't mind sending you've got a, a, a candidate for client a you don't mind sending them out to client b and, and creating competition for your own clients is that right well that, that's not that's not exactly how how that would work at any so at any, any given day we have 10 to 20 brand new fresh candidates at surface okay we can pluck any one of them those candidates even though they're active candidates there may not be a, an, an, there may not be a, a live job order that happens to fit what they're what that candidate is looking you know looking for. 
there, you know, maybe the, maybe the commute's too far. Maybe, you know, there's, there could be 101 reasons, but we know that it's an active candidate. So we just turn around and we take that, that candidate, immediately market that person to, you know, five other, five other companies. And, um, you know, it's just it's just part of the daily plan is to make five okay. marketing. You didn't calls. you didn't answer. I understand you didn't answer my question. You know the engineering managers at every company, so no research is involved. It sounds like no time is involved in researching the person you're marketing to. Is that right? Basic. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Basically, you pop on LinkedIn and you look up who their engineering manager okay. would be, your target, okay. your bogey, okay. if and, you will. Okay, and you will send out your candidates to a bunch of companies at the same time. With, they're all your clients, but they're competing with each other. Is that right? Uh, no. I, that, that, that's what's a little complicated. In the in the automotive in in automotive, we only have one client per commodity, so we only work with one bumper company. We only work with one stereo company. We only work with one mirror company. We don't we don't uh, we don't have uh, clients that crisscross over each other. Okay. So if, if you've got a, a client, a candidate that you recruited for a bumper company, you just told us you're going to market them to a bunch of other bumper Animal, companies. Animal, Jerry would say you're badgering and cornering. Yeah, so yeah, what? Let me explain. Out of the, remember, remember, there's 12 titles, right? Well, out of those 12 titles, maybe there's only four of those titles where the commodity actually – is an important aspect of the of the candidate switching job. So if it's a bumper engineer, uh, maybe they need to go to another bumper engineering company. Or because bumpers are made of plastic, maybe they could go to an interior trim company where they make plastic parts. So you take yeah, your bumper engineer is, that knows. My point, is, my point is, Steve, that uh, yeah. I can't believe after you know so number of years in business that you don't have a client in every sector. I don't know who you're going to be marketing to if you limit your uh, clientele to one company in each field. That's, that, that's really what it amounts to. Okay. Well, well, we, we know that there's approximately 3,500 3, suppliers in our industry, and we work with about 50 of them. Okay. Okay. You know what? I, I – I could talk to you. Oh, well, last thing, your business development call. It's just like you said. You just say, hi, my name is Steve Nahez. I'm with such and such a recruiting firm. Well, a guy popped up who's got a background I think you might be interested in. Uh, and, uh, and here's a little bit about him, and, and that's it. Is that, is that your marketing call, that's essentially? It. And that's, that's how you yeah, get all your business. That's how you get all yes. your business. Okay? And yes. – uh, Gee, I had a, I had what I thought was an interesting follow-up there, and uh, I forgot. What about the HR? I thought you're a guy who has to deal with HR people all the time, not engineering managers directly. Oh, voicemail. Do you leave voicemail when on your marketing call? We do. Of course okay. we do. We do because okay. the voicemail's a, it's a one-minute call. Nobody leaves voicemail. Nobody leaves voicemail anymore. Nobody. Oh no, that's baloney. That's baloney. <laughs> you have to leave voicemail. You, you you just have to make your voicemail different. From all the, you know, again, the ignorant, you know, low-level recruiters that you're out there up against. Okay. And I thought you're dealing with HR people, not engineering managers, not hiring managers directly. Am I right or wrong about that? Last question. Both. We, we deal with both. But we never market to HR. We always market directly to the hiring manager. Well, and that's okay with them. These companies that are HR-bound, uh, uh, they, they let you market to the engineering manager, right? 
uh, HR, HR obviously doesn't want you doing that, but yeah, that's what we do anyway. And if you have a, uh, if, in many cases, remember, remember the whole degree thing. There's not enough engineers. Okay, these engineer, these engineering students went off and got, got goofy degrees that nobody wants, nobody wants to hire them for. Okay, they, they can't be engineers without an engineering degree. So, if we have engineers, okay and we can prove to the hiring manager that we have engineers, then the hiring, manager will the hiring manager will champion us into HR. HR will beat us up a little bit or whatever, but ultimately that's, that's our end. Okay. You know what? Time's up. I'm going to let you go. We started off slow, but in my opinion, it got pretty good. I want to thank Stephen Nahez mm -hmm. for coming on. I, Real good. I wanna, you sound very good, Maureen. I like your voice today. I want to thank yeah. Nin. Friend and hire tool, my good friend Martin Snyder from what company is that, Maureen? PCRecruiter.net. Right. <laughs> Maureen Sharif, Jim Durbin, everybody, thank you. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.